The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather for ordered worship to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, and to devote the will to the purposes of God. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered for the gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your choices of forms of service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
today we pray. Grant us, O Lord, to trust in you with all our hearts, for as you always resist the proud who confide in their own strength, so you never forsake those who make their boast of your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Over the last 72 hours, my prayerful mind has hovered over one meditation, the vast goodness around us, and especially the vast goodness in this university, the vast goodness in its history, people, thought, and service. Boston University. Since 1839, a history of learning, virtue, and piety, a long proven inclusion of women, Jews, blacks, and immigrants, an endowment of voice soaring past color of skin to quicken content of character, healthy movement in thought from Methodism to personalism to pragmatism to naturalism. Today, this morning, many here with us, a brilliant student body who are growing in moral discernment, resisting substance abuse, rejecting amoral sexuality, setting limits to material greed, and developing empathy for the least, the last, and the lost. We are in good hands, and so may gladly bear one another's burdens. Thanks to good people, good leadership, and the underlying goodness of God. As human beings, fallible but honest about our failures, let us, as the choir sings, offer our prayers of confession. Let us pray.
Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 4 through 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. And if you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all of the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 125 with the antiphon. trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, and this time on and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, so that the righteous might not stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who will turn aside to their own crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 37. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. 
Now the woman was a Gentile of Seraphonician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephbatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. This Sunday morning, we welcome the Reverend Ms. Jennifer Quigley to our pulpit to participate in this dialogue sermon, which, like all sermons, is about God and about 20 minutes. Jen earned a BA at BU and an MDiv at BUSTH and received a marriage certificate from Marsh Chapel along with her fine husband, Soren. Thus, she is, by one count, a triple terrier. As chapel associate here, she exemplifies, particularly for the youngest, the fresh men and women among us, one fine way to thrive here at Boston University, and she exemplifies for all of us our Marsh envisioned mission to be a heart for the heart of the city, a service in the service of the city through the voice of the chapel, through decisions about vocation here, and through daily attention to fanning the flames of volume and participation, particularly come Sunday morning. Jen, welcome. Thank you. Beloved, in every journey, there are moments when we feel like turning back. We are, say, jogging early in the morning and feet are heavy and lungs are burning. Maybe we will go back to bed early. Or you are partway into the history of early America you're reading and the pages are blurring and the narrative becomes unclear. Maybe we will just go out for a little while. Or you have a report due tomorrow or a presentation in business and the needed inspiration for the moment needs inspiration, but none comes, so maybe another visit to the cookie jar will help. Or your business or your career, school, community, church, or beloved country have made some progress over some time, but the way forward seems to be longer and rockier than you thought. Maybe we should turn around, you muse. Underneath the lassitude of such a moment, there may lurk a suspicion that this current course is not part of God's generous grace. Were not things simpler, better, easier at home? Are there not serious wrongs in the current environment? Perhaps I should look at some other setting. Early in a new job, we can feel so. During the first several weeks of college or graduate school, we can be acquainted with this doer perspective. And when the hard foundation work of building a house, a project, a campaign, a fund drive, a relationship makes the back muscles weary, we can start to feel overwhelmed. The people of Israel to whom Jeremiah writes in today's text for today's sermon, Jeremiah 29, knew this condition. They had been sent off as vassal servants to Babylon in the 6th century BCE. Some looked with resignation at their poor condition. Others, others looked with fanatical expectation to the heavens awaiting immediate magical relief. They were not the first nor the last people to be found quivering between the scylla of resignation and the charybdis of fanaticism. As a matter of fact, people of faith, your two main advers adversaries on any given day may be the opium of resignation and the cocaine of fanaticism. All your holy supports taken away. For the Jews in Babylon, that meant one set of losses. The Holy Land, long ago given in promise, gone. The holy city constructed and protected by kings for generations, gone. The holy community and its rituals, devotions, leadership, altars, days, seasons, gone. The history and memory ever embedded in space and place, 
gone. The identity there formed, there fashioned, gone. For the Jews in Babylon, there was one sixth century BCE set of losses. And for those starting a course of study today, that means another set of losses. The places of earlier success in academics and athletics, gone. The support of friends and of lasting trust in several years, gone. The mixed blessing, but blessing nonetheless, of family origin, extended and nuclear, gone. The fragile but living identity of preparatory schools and years, one with struggle and effort, gone. And all around, a sea of anonymity, unfamiliarity, ambiguity, uncertainty. Jen, does this evoke for you any thoughts or memories about the beginning of a college career? It does, actually. It reminds me of laundry. The first time I went to do laundry my freshman year at BU, I was prepared. My mom, who's actually here this morning, had made me wash clothes at home enough times to know how to properly sort them, measure out the detergent, choose the correct setting, shake out the wet clothes, insert a dryer sheet, and again, choose the correct setting. I even knew to check the lint trap. Laundry seemed like a complicated but easy process. As long as you followed the correct steps, your clothes would become clean without your socks turning pink. I waited a little longer than I should have, um, so my hamper bag was pretty full that Sunday afternoon, the first week after school began. And as I walked into the laundry room at 188 Bay State Road, I froze. First, these machines were front load, not top load. How could I tell when to stop loading clothes to avoid overstuffing the washer when there wasn't a line to indicate to stop? Worse, the settings were all different from at home. They seemed deceptively simple. Did my laundry qualify for the normal setting? Or were my clothes delicate? What makes clothes heavy anyway? <laughs> Worse still, it took forever to find where to put the detergent. Was I just supposed to toss it in from the side and hope it spread evenly over my clothes? After about three minutes of sheer panic, I found a little detergent drawer and poured in what I hoped was the one of three separate trays. If you've ever tried laundry at BU, you know that the detergent seems to magically disappear down those trays, and as soon as you pour it in, it looks like you haven't put in any at all. So, worried I hadn't used enough, I put in some more. <laughs> and then I began to truly freak out as I saw the ominous sign above the washing machine, do not use too much detergent. <laughs> had I gone overboard now and used too much? I had heard rumors there was a kid on West who had used too much detergent and flooded the entire laundry room. <laughs> but worst of all, I didn't even realize the worst of all until I had already loaded the clothes and committed to the use of too much detergent. I looked for the place to swipe my terrier card, which my parents had conveniently outfitted with enough convenience points to help get me started with some of the basics at college, including laundry. But this machine did not take convenience points. It wanted cold, hard cash, specifically quarters. Despair set in. Where could I get quarters on a Sunday? I could get cash at the ATM, to be sure, dipping into my very spare reserves in my college checking account, but the banks weren't open to give me change. Who could give me change? So I left the laundry in the machine, leaving a note saying I would be right back. 
and I went on an adventure. The cash was easy enough, but the convenience store in Warren told me they had a firm no change making policy. And I went from business to business, receiving rejections um, from several of them before a student employee finally took pity on me, asking why I didn't just go use the change machines and towers. <laughs> finally, armed with $20 worth of quarters, so many I jingled as I walked, I returned to 188 Bay State Road. And there I hesitated over one last seemingly minor decision. Someone who shall remain nameless due to my uncertainty over BU's statute of limitations had told me there was a trick to manipulate the machines, something with thread and tape on the quarter so you could turn 25 cents into a buck 25 simply by tugging on the string and releasing the quarter a few times. So should I try this out? If I did, how exactly did it work? Where should I put the tape and string, for instance? Did this trick amount to petty theft? Would the washing machine know and somehow send notification to the police? <laughs> if I just paid the full amount in cash, my spending money would dwindle to nothing in a few short weeks. What would happen if I couldn't afford quarters anymore? Would I have to lug my laundry to Warren every week just to use convenience points? This last small but not morally insignificant decision pushed me over to the, the edge and I found myself paralyzed in front of a washing machine a week into my freshman year at college. <laughs> After 10 minutes, a housemate brought his laundry downstairs and gruffly asked me how much longer I needed. And this forced a decision, so I just jammed all five quarters into the machine and retreated to my room, overwhelmed by my emotions. One thought kept ringing in my ears. If I couldn't even do laundry here, how was I supposed to make it at Boston University? For the first and not the last time that year, I felt homesick. It was not as though I didn't know how to do laundry, I just didn't know how to do it here, on these machines in this setting. You may be and feel completely prepared to go to college, but the fact is, no matter how prepared you are or feel, it is different from home and very different from high school. Those differences can cause a paralysis of sorts. And those differences expose you to the reality of your present displacement, your present dislocation. Those differences are what make you long for home. And the longing for home is visceral, deep, and no matter what anyone tells you about the joy of your college years, absolutely true. Now, I know that caring for laundry may pale in comparison to the struggles of the ancient Israelites in exile, but I can tell you that for this time and for this place, they are very real struggles. And friends, would you believe that four years later, this very same young woman was chosen as the speaker at commencement before 25,000 people, a graduate. You know, Jen, actually, the two experiences here, biblical and daily, are connected to a deep desire to live out our truest longings. The experience of exile and the feeling of exile are not such distant cousins. And we here at Marsh Chapel can further appreciate the added or heightened sensation of life as part of a largely secular culture. As one wrote about Jeremiah's verses, Uprooted from all familiar circumstances by the barbaric deportation, the exiles found themselves suffering a kind of paralysis in relation to their environment. 
That is, they're thrust into an all-pervading secularity whose rhythms and priorities, demands and rewards are alien to the perspective of the community of faith. We can empathize with that, looking about us this morning in our current location, here and now. Sunday is not a shared day of communal rest. The human body is not always viewed happily as the temple of the Lord. Funds and goods are not ever held and had in common. Speech is not steadily governed by the warnings within the letter of James Heard last week. The horizon of hope about us in this secular culture is more earth than heaven, more material than spiritual, more body than soul. And an occasional radio broadcast of historic worship or an occasional entrance into remaining vestigial congregations breaks just temporarily, even awkwardly, into the reigning secularity of the dominant culture. And further, on a college campus, whose weekend days begin at 4 p.m., on a Sunday morning in the Northeast, within a large city that has its share of snowfall, to resist and to grow together just here, just now in faith is to jog into the very teeth of a biting winter cold secular wind. You will have heard what Jeremiah the prophet then said. It's a striking, unexpected word. As he wrote to his flock in Babylon, so far away, recorded in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah tells the people to put their hearts, minds, souls, and labor into the very secular, into the very cold setting into which they have been thrust. Their well-being now depends upon their overseers who do not share their faith or their values. So, he says, build here, grow here, marry here, bear children here, bear grandchildren here, live and die here. Jeremiah, the prophet, is reproving homesickness. That is, the homesickness that looks backward. Resignation and fanaticism, Jeremiah speaks against both dreamers and doubters today. His word celebrates the doers. Jeremiah leads his readers to the validity and the duration of this present moment. How objective here is his summons to simple involvement in the society around, that is, your salvation evokes a capacity to receive the divine generosity, one of our themes this fall, the gift of faith, and so to let go of home. Your salvation relies upon your hearing of another word. You, student, professor, administrator, retiree, laborer, all. The promise of a truer longing, a desire to plant, grow, build, covenant, and let go. Fear not the secular setting in which you find yourself and draw by faith on the God whose word and sacrament is for you. Leave behind the dreamers and the doubters and align yourself for these years with the doers. For this exile, this deportation, this time in an alien place, 
in a foreign culture has its limit. It does not last forever. For Israel, it was circumscribed and bound by a foreordained limit two generations later, 538 BCE. For others, that limit will be baccalaureate service May 2016, following after a very brief interlude on last Sunday's matriculation service, September 2012. In the meantime, I wonder, what in particular, Jen, about this place will help us all nurture a sense of truest longing? Within the rhythms and rituals of this setting, Boston University, where the work of the mind is the ordered and ordering principle of the place, there is good news. In rhythms and in rituals, you find the best remedy for homesickness. Because as you develop your own rhythms and rituals in this place, the unfamiliar becomes familiar. The paralysis relaxes into a stretch. And so slowly, you hardly even notice the change. In this new place, with these new people, in this new way of thinking, with this new faith, you feel less homesick and more home. If you are new to this place, or if you are sensing some new discomfort and dislocation in this fall season, the advice of our scripture this morning is this, to plant gardens, build houses, and see your children married. The prophet Jeremiah urges the people of Israel to get to know this strange new world of Babylon and to not hesitate to put down roots. For our time, in our place, perhaps not exiles, but feeling a little exiled nonetheless, we might try to learn how these three modern things are done at Boston University and to try them out ourselves. Do laundry, read, and invest in relationships. Here at the chapel and around the university, there are people eager to help you learn how each of these is done at BU. First, do laundry. I was saved from bankruptcy, despair, and theft alike <laughs> by the community of saints at 188-190 Bay State Road my freshman year. And as a community, we eventually agreed never to use that trick with the tape and the string because the tape would get stuck and the washing machine would break. Instead, an enterprising student with some electrical and computer engineering skills reprogrammed our dryer to dispense 99 minutes of drying for every quarter spent. <laughs> now, I am not endorsing what still probably amounts to petty theft, but rather, rather I'm saying that there are people around you who can help you find quarters, share an extra dryer sheet, tell you how to fix your blinds, and explain where the heck to hang your towel in Warren so that you neither soak your towel in the shower nor flash your entire communal bathroom. <laughs> ask your RA, ask your roommate, ask the sophomore or junior or senior in your building. Learn the best way to do the little, ordinary, everyday things because often they make all the difference. Our habits make for a better home. Two, read. There are certain well-loved, well-worn works around Boston University, and reading them will help you learn some of the parlance of this place. Spend an afternoon with Jesus and the Disinherited by the Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, our former Dean of Marsh Chapel, while sitting in the Howard Thurman Center in the lower level of the GSU. 
Read a letter from Birmingham Jail in the MLK Reading Room on the third floor of Mugar Library, surrounded by King's letters and photos and schoolwork. Or pick up a copy of Maya Angelou's On the Pulse of the Morning, and as Dean Elmore suggests at the start of every school year, rally a few others to join you at sunrise on the BU beach, where the rock, the river, and the tree meet to take turns reading lines from the poem. Wondering what to read next? Ask your professor, ask your TA, ask a chaplain. What work inspires them? And three, invest in relationships. Relationships in college develop in those ordinary and extraordinary moments. You might meet your soulmate at orientation or your best friend in a random roommate assignment but you won't figure out whether you have or not until you actually go to the dining hall with them or talk with them about stuff other than schoolwork or proofread each other's papers or get lost in Boston together. Your financial investment in college is significant, but your personal investment in the people you meet has just as much, if not more, lasting value. And if in the midst of all these adventures you have a question about your deeper, truer longings, you can always come and see a chaplain. So, mm, Jen, the chaplains are one of the resources available in this particular time and place. What would happen if I actually went and visited one of them? Well, I think we need to answer the question first. What are chaplains anyway? My question exactly. What are chaplains anyway? Well, we could say that among other things, they are people who believe in the value of helping you connect your greatest passion with the world's greatest need. Precisely. Jen, are you such one, one such? I am. In fact, uh, my title is Chapel Associate for Vocational Discernment. What about you? I am as well. As for my titles, well, they are many, but as the Bible almost says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of positions. We are chaplains together. We here at Marsh, all the chaplains and staff, hope and pray that those searching for their truest longing will find their way in the college experience. And if at any point you should need a friendly guide along the way, we are here for fellowship, discernment, conversation, and even some expert advice about laundry. Amen. Amen. We come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and our minds to God in prayer. You are invited in this moment to assume whatever prayer posture is most authentic for you. You may wish to remain seated or stand where you are. As we sing together the hymn, Lead Me, Lord, the Spirit may be leading you to come forward and to kneel at our beautiful rail. Come as you are to this time of prayer.
Gracious and loving God, you who are the creator of the universe and the designer of each and every one of our hearts, we come to you this day in awe and gratitude. We come to you from a week remarkable for its change, a week bursting with beginnings, a week of paralysis as we stand before complex systems of laundry, a week of energy released and dreams launched and hearts come alive and our truest longings being expressed in the promise of a new year. In the midst of change, you, O oh God, are constant. And so we give you thanks that in these high and holy days full of awe, you travel with us, you live within us, and you even march ahead of us as your word beckons us forward into new faith and new action. And so we pause this moment in this place, in this holy time, to listen for the word that we need to hear this day in lyric, in sermon, in silence, by instrument, in greeting from neighbor, speak to us. We bring our true selves before you, lifting those fears and doubts. We sometimes hide, but you always see. For the new syllabus of our lives is footnoted with questions. Will I be good enough? Will I be smart enough? Can I do this? How long will this ache for home persist? Will these classmates and roommates and colleagues become beloved community? Still us. Comfort us. And then transform us, empowering God from the inside out. For like Jeremiah, we are called to settle into this new land, exiled land as it may first seem, to take root, to build, and to trust your plans for our welfare and our blossoming. Give us a heart for the heart of this city, for the poor, for the hungry, for those who live with the oppression of violence. And kindle your light within us, O oh God, that we might live with confidence and that we might become incandescent beacons of hope on Kamav and so far beyond. And now with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray together as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel once again this Sunday morning, and we hope you would take a moment to put your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, and to pass that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We would note that following the service today, there is a barbecue lunch available on the BU Beach. We hope that you will stay after service for this free meal. And for especially our incoming undergraduates, but also some of our returning undergraduates, I would invite you to join Miss Sarah Leonard, who is seated in the back here, uh, or right there, uh, out on the BU Beach at one of the tables to get to know more about our, our undergraduate ministries here at Marsh Chapel. You may want to stay later in the afternoon for our servant team meeting. That's our undergraduate leadership ministry group, and uh, Sarah can tell you more about that over lunch. We hope you will take a moment at the end of the service to grab a copy of our term book uh, to get to know about all of our services and activities throughout the semester here at Marsh Chapel and to take a look at the choir card with all of our concerts and upcoming uh, musical events. As we turn to the time in our service for our offering, I would invite you to meditate on Moses Hogan's setting of the traditional spiritual, We Shall Walk Through the Valley in Peace. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
this day for life and health and peace. Bless these gifts and those who have given them for the building up of the people of God and the service of the world. Amen. People of God, will you praise God who creates you by following in the way of Christ in the year to come, living lives of prayer and presence, generosity and service in the power of the Spirit? With God's help, we will. Chaplain for Community Life, Chapel Ministry and Marsh Associates, will you minister among this university community, community and offer the best of yourselves in heart and service and discipleship to Christ in the embrace of the Holy Spirit? With God's help, we will grow in ministry and the partnership of the gospel. Hospitality and support team, will you guide us all to excel in our ministry of welcome, to watch over one another in love, and to shine forth as a model of graceful communication? With God's, With God's help, we will welcome our neighbors in love as Christ first loved us. Musical leaders, soloists, and choristers, will you teach by precept and example that one who sings praise twice, qui cantat bis orat, and so prepare us to sing God's praise on earth as in heaven? We offer our God-given gifts with grateful happiness, and we are ready to serve the Lord with gladness. Ushers, sacristan, advisory board members, chapter members, Will you offer gifts of insight and imagination, passion and commitment to those whom you serve? With God's help, we will discern God's spirit in our midst. People of God, will you support these and others in ministry by your prayers and assistance? As God gives life and breath, we will celebrate the gift of life with every breath through every day.
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.